This episode of the Oz Movie Geek podcast is sponsored by Kix. Kix is an online film and television retailer specializing in the latest Sony, Universal, and Paramount films and television shows. You can use the exclusive code OZGEEK15 to receive 15% off your order. Thank you to the wonderful team at Kix. Now to the review. You've got to pick up every stitch. You've got to pick up every stitch. You've got to pick up every stitch. Ooh, must be the season of the wind. Must be the season of the wind. Must be the season of the wind. Hello and welcome to another episode in the Oz Movie Geek Halloween Spooktacular. I'm your host, Pado. Today I'll be covering Hocus Pocus 2, the newly released Disney Plus exclusive, a sequel that has been over 20 years in the making, uh, and the film franchise now, I guess, that I have been quite fond of since I was little. Uh, Hocus Pocus was a classic, always on television, uh, a film that I own on VHS, DVD, and now 4K. Uh, just a film that I have always really enjoyed. And I had reservations about this film. Uh, I wasn't overly excited for it. The trailer didn't really do a lot for me. Uh, it's directed by Anne Fletcher, who did Step Up, um, Hairspray, um, The Proposal, um, in various roles, not directing all of those films, but um, her involvement in other um, productions such as Hot Pursuit, The Guilt Trip, directing both of those films, and 27 Dresses, uh, three films that I'm not overly fond of, but I always enjoy the proposal of it's on TV. I'm not going to turn it off, uh, but her involvement as a director didn't really strike me. I wasn't overly excited to see her name attached. It didn't really you know, uh, spur me to think, oh, this might actually be okay. Um, but nevertheless, I was still looking forward to seeing this film. I enjoy watching these belated sequels if there is a reason that they exist. Now, outside of it being a you know revival of a popular IP, I think that this film does serve its purpose. It, it brings Hocus Pocus to a new generation and does serve itself as just a soft reboot. Uh, telling a very similar story to what we got in the original film, updating it for modern audiences with references to technology, whatnot, um, but also exploring the relationship between the Sanderson sisters as well. And the musical elements in this film were toned down, which I'll get into. Uh, they're not as prevalent as they were in the original, but it was still fun to see these characters back on the big screen. And yeah, like I said, it sort of introduces the Sanderson sisters to a new generation. So without further ado, let's get stuck into this one. So take it away, trailer. I banish thee from Salem <gasps> forever. were right to fear thee. Magic has a way of uniting. Happy 16th birthday, child. I have a gift for my favorite customers. 
Legend has it, it's on the 16th birthday that a witch gets her powers. Sunrise, we have to steal their souls. Whoa, 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 wait, can we talk about this? No. <laughs> we must fly! <laughs> Not to freak out, the provincial maniac obsessed with getting revenge on Salem sounds very bad for Salem. We should get some salt. Why? So we taste better when they eat us? Six feet under. Stop! I am a good zombie. So, Hocus Pocus Two was directed by Anne Fletcher and stars Bette Midler, Sarah, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy Najimy uh, once again as the Sanderson sisters, with newcomers Whitney Peak um, and also performances from Tony Hale, Doug Jones, and Sam Richardson. Uh, the film follows two young women who accidentally bring back the Sanderson sisters to modern-day Salem and must figure out how to stop the child-hungry witches from wreaking havoc on the world. Um, so very similar to the first film. Um, and we have newcomers Becca and Izzy, um, played by Whitney Peake and Belissa Escobedo. Um, essentially, the two girls, um, through the fault of Gilbert, played by Sam Richardson, uh, who gives them the candle. The candle awakens the sisters. It's Halloween night, and they are now wreaking havoc, looking to destroy the world or um, to feast on children to maintain their youthful looks. Um, and we have Bette Midler as Winifred, Sarah Jessica Parker as Sarah, and Kathy Najimy as Mary Sanderson. Uh, the three of them returning, um, like I said, over 20 years later. Um, and it's yeah, quite fun to see these characters on the big screen or small screen again. Um, and that that's an issue I guess I have with the film uh, right off the bat. I, I wish that this film was released on big screen, um, on the big screen, big screens. Um, I, I feel like it would have played quite well, and due to the reception it has received, um, sitting you know quite comfortably at a fifty-five on on Metacritic and a six point two on IMDb, it's doing quite well critically, um, you know, well enough at least. Uh, and the film has since become the biggest debut in Disney Plus history, which is quite significant. Um, now we don't have that data as hard data, which is the issue with a lot of these streaming services. But I guess seeing the overwhelming reception from just the general movie-going public, I feel like this film would have played quite well. And considering there is a lack of uh, releases this Halloween in terms of Halloween-themed releases, we of course have Halloween ends. Um, but outside of that, everything else seems to be going straight to streaming. We don't really have that big horror release as we, we usually do outside of Halloween ends. 
um, we, we don't really have anything else. So I feel like it's a missed opportunity for Disney. They could have even done it, you know, as a three-week thing, you know, just play in the month of October and then as soon as Halloween's over, chuck it on Disney Plus and you get best of both worlds. So I feel like it was a missed opportunity just because it's not like a Pinocchio situation where the movie's got awful and they're trying to hide it. Uh, the film definitely isn't got awful. It's something I quite enjoyed and I feel like its audience would have flocked to the cinemas to go and see it because people are excited about this, obviously, um, which is evident by the Disney Plus numbers. So I wish that they did release it in cinemas. I voice my concerns and anger with uh, movie studios and their treatment of the cinemas uh, in recent years, especially with COVID. Um, these studios just seem to have a lack of respect and just seem to be disregarding the fact that cinemas have struggled for so long um, and I guess the cinemas are sort of at the behest of the studio system where, you know, the, the studio at the end of the day gets to pull the string. So um, when we have films like Hocus Pocus, Disney can decide what they want to do with it. If they want it to go to Disney+, Plus, then unfortunately the cinemas aren't going to see that revenue. But I feel like it would have played quite well, and especially here in Australia, it's, it's currently um, school holidays here, so we have two weeks off. Um, we've got DC League of Super Pets got a delayed release here in Australia and Avatars uh, replaying in 2D and 3D. And I think from what I can see from my own screenings of both of those films that it has, you know, been uh, performed, both films have been performing at a decent pace. But I just feel that Hocus Pocus more appeals to a family demographic rather than just kids. And I feel like it would have been a nice outing to take um, kids to. Uh, and go as a family so yeah I, I think it was a missed opportunity from Disney there but nevertheless that's not a critique of the film more so it's marketing and releasing and and whatnot but um, in terms of the film itself I, I did have a lot of fun with it I wasn't overly anticipating it it's a good looking movie as well uh, which is something again I wasn't really expecting from Anne Fletcher and that's no offense to her but you know rom-coms um, is her wheelhouse and this film has some really moody lighting some really cool set pieces I really love the town of Salem it feels very it feels very cartoony but in a really good way uh, a lot of the set designs especially uh, Gilbert played by Sam Richardson who was probably my favorite character in the film I'm a big Sam Richardson fan um, his contributions to horror in recent years with um, Hocus Pocus too I guess as being family horror um, but also a horror comedy he did last year called Werewolves Within which I would highly recommend if you haven't seen it uh, you can actually pick it up from Kix right now as part of their Monster Sale uh, link down below if you want to check that out uh, but yeah it, it's a really good film and he's really good here and the design of his magic shop so he has this magic shop and he's obsessed with the Sanderson sisters um, and the way that the shop looks it's got this really cool finish to it all the wooden finishings of the um of the furniture and just like the overcrowded nature of the shop too it feels like a um you know it, well it's meant to be the sanderson's old old homestead sort of thing so uh, i really like the look of it it just felt very in character for for the franchise now it feels weird calling this a franchise as there's only two movies but on, on a technicality i guess it is uh, but it was really cool to see that set design. And like I said, the town of Salem itself is is quite fun. 
Um, I really enjoyed too the way that they they use Tony Hale in this film. So uh, we get an origin to the Sanderson sisters in the 1600s. Uh, it shows the origin of their powers and where that came from. They were ostracized essentially from the townspeople. Uh, Reverend uh, Trasky, um, Tony Hale's first character that he plays, um, and the mayor being a distant descendant of that original character, um, essentially plays this this asshole dude who's trying to um, to marry off um, a young Winifred Sanderson to one of the um, the townspeople. Um, and he's just a real dick. He, he's just a horrible person. And I was expecting it to go down the route of what we got in the Fear Street movies, uh, where the Descendants is also an asshole. Um, it's just been passed down. Um, but Tony Hale's Mayor's character is just a lovable doofus. And the whole movie, he just wants to get a, a caramel apple. And I just found that to be really funny. Um, it was it was quite enjoyable. And I love Tony Hale. Um, Buster Bluth always. Um, and there was plenty of... Buster Bluth references flying about when we saw him on screen, as there always is. But he's so good, and I wish he was in more. And I thought he was used really well here. Um, Doug Jones, horror legend Doug Jones, who um, has been in um, Pan's Labyrinth, The Shape of Water, um, unfortunately, The Bye Bye Man. Um, but he's also done, you know, a, a bunch of uh, different horror films over the years. And um, due to his stature and his build, he, he's he's been fantastic in any role that he he takes on. Um, but he plays Billy Butcherson here, and it was cool to see him, even though he's in heavy makeup, it was cool to see Doug Jones play a different character. I, I love Doug Jones, and it's always really fun to see a, an actor such as him who, who's had such a prolific career in Hollywood, even though people don't really know who he is. Um, I just found it to be really refreshing to see him in a, in a larger production, and it was really fun. Um, and like I said, yeah, he's really good. Um, I found the two young girls, uh, Whitney Peak and uh, Belissa Escobedo, um, to be quite good in the film too. Um, Becca being my favourite character, played by Whitney Peak, I thought she was really good. Um, she's been in uh, The Chilling Tales of Sabrina as Judith before and Molly's Game um, too. She, she's quite a, a talented young actress and I'm looking forward to seeing more of her. Um, I, I think that she's got a lot to offer and yeah, she, she was really fun in this movie and I really enjoyed seeing the dynamic between the two of them as they're trying to trick the sisters and get out of this sticky situation. Um, but yeah, back to the, the Sanderson sisters, I guess, is which what people have been wanting to see. Uh, and yeah, they're all really good. Uh, Bette Midler, I cannot believe, um, is in her uh, late 70s. She's fantastic here. Um, it's always fun to see Bette Midler on screen, and she, she's really good. I, I found it to be quite entertaining. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker as Sarah Sanderson um, is really good too. Uh, probably my favourite out of the three sisters. She was in the original too. Um, she maintains that level of stupidity, but in a believable sense too. Like, it's fun to see her. You're not angry at her on screen. Um, Kathy Najimi as Mary Sanderson is good too. The three characters, though, and, and this is a real testament because it's something that it's hard to quantify, but the example I'm going to give is the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Now, if you watch those first three Pirates movies, you see a steady decline of... Johnny Depp's performance as the character of Jack Sparrow. That first film is just lightning in a bottle. Uh, Depp still has the reins over him a little and he's kind of restrained in terms of what he can do. Um, his work with Gore Verbinski in the first three films is still really good, 
but you just see a steady decline in terms of his performance. It, it doesn't feel as fresh, but there also seems to be something different. It, it feels like he's overplaying the the character. Um, so by the time we get to Dead Men Tell No Tales in 2017, it feels like a caricature of what Jack Sparrow used to be. It doesn't feel like the same character in the slightest, and that's due to his performance, but also the way the character was written it feels like a completely different character. If I had to put them next to each other, they're not the same person to me. And it's always been the case with those last two Pirates movies in particular. But even going back to the first one and watching them in chronological order, you can see that steady decline. And one thing I was a bit nervous about is the way that they play these characters because that that's a franchise problem. That That's not necessarily a problem with you know the, the writing or the directing or even the stars in terms of you know when, when a certain amount of time passes we can see issues in terms of you know actors returning to play characters 20 some years later um, and with a lot of legacy sequels lately there has been a bit of that I found Keanu Reeves return as Neo to be very similar where it felt like he wasn't Neo anymore um, a lot of that had to do with the appearance of the character I didn't like that Keanu essentially looked like he walked from the set of John Wick onto the Matrix 4 um, and his character resembled that as well where he, he, he looked you know, like the same character as uh, John Wick and he's not supposed to. So um, it is a concern of mine sometimes with these legacy sequels in particular because there is such an emphasis on making sure that these characters you know, look the same but do they feel the same? Uh, and I'm pleased to say that the Sanderson sisters feel exactly like they did back in, in 1997. And I don't know if that's going to be the same for everyone because I've seen people say, oh, these characters feel a bit different. But, you know, if you take into account the fact that, you know, Bette Midler now is 78 years old, um, I, I feel like the characters are really, really solid here and they feel like the, the same people. And I, I really appreciate that. Um, a lot of the humor is maintained. I liked, um, you know, the, the quirky and cheesiness of the fact that they're, they're trying to work out modern technology. There's a great sequence where they're in like a Walgreens and they're trying to find, you know, like a broomstick. Um, and um, Winifred, of course, gets the broom. But we see, um, uh, you know, Sarah and Mary are stuck with... Uh, Sarah's on like a... Um, on a, a vacuum cleaner or, or like a floor mop and Mary Sanderson's on like two um, Roombas and, and she's, you know, they're off in the sky. And I, I, that was fun. Like it, it's cheesy and quirky, but it, it's fun. I, I, I honestly was just watching it with a big smile on my face. Uh, the the two dance numbers, there's a song at the end, The Witches Are Back, which was a bit of fun. I bet that was right in the credits and it was outside of the other two musical numbers in the film. I found um, the... Uh, the second, which I guess is the main one, um, the, the main dance sequence in the film, which takes place at a fair where the, the Sanderson sisters essentially possess the whole crowd. And it was very reminiscent of Ghostbusters 2016, which is probably why I didn't like it. Um, but uh, the, the song choice as well, um, uh, it's one way or another. And the way that it's played, it's like, uh, this is a bit cringy. It doesn't really work for me. I think a better song could have been used and the choreography from the crowd was very, very bland. It um, wasn't very fun. 
um, the idea that the Sanderson sisters are a, a part of a Sanderson sister competition, uh, a lookalike competition, was really fun. I, I like that aspect of it. It's just the actual dance number itself didn't work for me. And I guess the film as well, uh, the way that it concludes, it's very rushed, uh, the ending. Um, we have the Sanderson and sisters achieve their goal and then essentially at the end of the film, um, the other two, uh, Mary and Sarah, disappear and um, Winifred um, wants them back and she'll do anything and, and they're all sent away and they disappear. Um, but Winifred turns from being like this child-hungry, awful witch to being, you know, like really... Um, really content with the fact that she is disappearing but that she'll be with her sisters and she's very thankful and I was like that doesn't really work where we were five minutes ago but it's completely fine um I really enjoyed uh Gilbert and Billy Butcherson's relationship too Doug Jones and Sam Richardson have really good chemistry so they were a lot of fun together um but overall guys this is just a really entertaining Halloween themed movie there's not a lot of these out there in terms of that family entertainment so I think when they come along, you have to embrace them because it's either this or Hubie Halloween, which I don't mind. Hubie Halloween's completely fine, but, you know, this is definitely a step up in terms of quality. And I just found the film to be really entertaining and it, it served its purpose. I was hesitant because I didn't feel the film needed to exist, but at the same time, I'm very happy that the film does exist. So if you haven't checked this one out, check it out. It's now streaming on Disney Plus um, and it's definitely worth your time. But that brings this episode to a close, guys. So thank you very much for listening. If you have any horror-related uh, film requests or film review requests, uh, please uh, DM me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at OzMovieGeek. That's at OzMovieGeek. Um, and I'm also on Gmail if you want to shoot me an email, and that's OzMovieGeek at gmail.com. That's OzMovieGeek at gmail.com. Like I mentioned at the start, the Kicks Monster Sale is now on too, so you can check out the link below. There's a great deal of titles, over 540 of them. Uh, you can also use the code OZGEEK15 to receive a further 15% off your order. So definitely check that out, guys. The link is down below. But thank you again for listening, guys, and I have more content coming at you very shortly, which I'm very excited about, so look forward to that. But until next time, peace out. up every stitch You've got to pick up every stitch You've got to pick up every stitch Ooh, Must be the season of the wind Must be the season of the wind yeah. Must be the season of the wind